Church, how are we? Happy 2018! Wow! 2018, here we go! Buckle up, ready or not. Hey, real quick, that was just awesome, right? That was, uh, it was louder than normal. Did anybody notice it was louder than normal? That means buckle up, put your earplugs in, it's going to be a good year. That's all that means, okay? Hey, uh, I want to I wanna do two really helpful things as we kick off today. First one comes by way of a text I got yesterday that might really help someone if they're a Georgia or Alabama fan, okay? And by the way, last hour, Ed played a joke on me, and he wrote, go dogs, all over my notes. And he goes, did you not see him? And I said, see what? And I didn't even see him, but it says go dogs, and I'm, I'm just saying that, okay? So, all right, so uh, first, how many of you guys, you will watch the game tomorrow night, okay? You will, all right? How many of you guys are like, you wish you could be there, all right? This might help you out. I might have something for two people in this audience. So here's the text message that I got yesterday that I'm going to give to you. Hey guys, a friend of mine has two tickets to the national championships. Both box seats. He paid $2,500 per seat. You're going to love this. Uh, which includes the ride to and from the airport, lunch, dinner, and a $400 bar tab. Which, because you go to my church, you, you're not allowed to use. Okay. Um, and a backstage pass to the winner's locker room. What sucks is he didn't realize when he bought them last year, uh, that would be the same time as his wedding day. Priorities, that's life. Well, he knows it's short notice, so he's simply looking for someone to take his place. His loss, your game. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Anyways, if you're interested, here's what you get. The wedding is at Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Athens. Stay with me. Athens, Georgia at 3 p.m. Her name's Ashley. She's 5'4", 115, 115 pounds. A good cook, loves a fish hunt, and will clean your truck. She'll be the one in the white dress. Did everybody get that? Okay. Last hour, somebody was very upset with me because they were like, and where's the tickets? He kept the tickets, okay? Okay, he left the girl on the altar. Uh, what's hilarious is we, this is, the, this is a little insider joke. Can I share this? So we sent it, we have a, we have a, we have a Murphy family text. Goes all the Murphys, we sent it to, actually, it was sent to us from somebody else in my family and everybody's chiming in, ha, 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 ha. So we snagged it, sent it to Christie's family. We call it the Happy Heinsons. That's the name of the text message. And they all said, hey, John and Amanda should take it. They're newlyweds. They should, and we're going, it ain't for real. And everybody's chiming in that's like a real deal. Just saying, just saying. Somebody's side of the family is smarter than the other side. So, Not really. If you know her side, they are way smarter. All right, so that's not helpful. That was just a joke, but I have something really, really helpful today. Um, it's 2018. Uh, I, I imagine if you're like me, you have in either this early you know, early time of the year, or in years past, you probably had some New Year's resolutions. You probably had some goals, you probably had some hopes, you probably had some ideas of areas you wanted to improve, get better, feel better, do more, yada, 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 yada. All right? If you're honest, I'm imagining there's not a person in this room that can't look back on their past and say, I didn't do all those, or it didn't work out like I hoped. If I'm honest, I could go 
And if I wrote, if I wrote down everything that I've written in the last 20 years of things I wanted to accomplish, get better at, improve on, lose weight, you know, get stronger, read the Bible more, I would, I would be lying if I didn't say I would have a laundry list a mile long of things that I didn't get better at. Alright? And I think it's probably true of all of us. So here's what I hope to accomplish today. I hope to accomplish what I believe that God wants for us in 2018. And I want to show you three major obstacles to getting there. But I want to give you the antidote to win for next year. Alright, that sounds so like, I got three points. It's a, it's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Just take a bite and it's secret sauce, right? But when you, when I get done with this, I think you'll understand where I'm going, where I'm going with this. So I want to give us some big, big, broad perspective on two things. Big, broad, what God wants to do in our hearts, and then big, broad on why we've been losing at it, and if we don't change and recognize these three big areas of next year, it'll be the same. It'll be the same for me as maybe 26, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, same for you is the past. So let's start out with, let me give you a real clarity on what God believes and what He wants for us, so we can start there. So, because as I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really passionate, knowing that there are many of you here today that walked in, and there's a level of numbness that you have, maybe because life's given you life, and it's not been great. Maybe there's some brokenness, there's some bruised up, and you're you're looking in the future feels bruised up, like oh, it's going to be more of the same. Or, I, I, or maybe you, maybe some of you just feel like you can't. Your senses are so numb because the junk that you've had in your past. You can't really have something that feels hopeful, or you really can't see a path for you to improve or grow, know God more or anything because of what's gone on before. And I want to shape that differently today. First off, by showing you John eight thirty eight thirty five. All right, let me pray for us real quick. Because I think this will be a game changer for a lot of us today. Lord, let this be a game changer for us today. In 2018, let us hear what you're going to say. God, say it clearly so our hearts and minds will grasp it and understand it. Let your spirit, let it sink deep into our hearts. God, I pray that nothing I uh, would do would, would, would counteract what you once said. So God, you use my voice, but let me just be... Uh, just completely ignored so you are heard. God, be with us now. Open our hearts. Let us make choices of how you'd lead us today. In your name I pray. Amen. John eight thirty six. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. Real quickly, I understand that slaves oftentimes, both in days past and in our culture, sometimes people choose and make choices that leads them to being a slave to something. Would you agree? You make some choices sometimes. I'm going to go down this road. I've made a choice. Now I'm a slave to it. Right? I've, I've done it so much. Now I'm locked into it. I don't want to be. And there are other parts of this that people uh, became slaves because they didn't want to. But we know slaves not a good thing. Slaves are not. Slaves are a bad thing. We don't want to be slaves. We understand a slave has no permanent place in the family. Because slaves go off, right? Either by choice or because they just got taken. But a son 
belongs to it forever. If you're in the family of God, this is, this is like some deep, heavy theology. I'm not even going this direction today. But if you're a son of God, you were always a son of God. Meaning when you were born, you were born, um, you were born a child of God because God put you on this planet. But you're not a son or a daughter until you bow the knee and you say, Jesus, because of what you did on the cross for me, I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. Save me. I want to be your son. That's becoming a son. When you become a son, you're always a son. But here's where we want to go with this today. This is where we go with 2018. A son belongs to God forever, belongs part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, when God, when God went to the cross as Jesus and died on the cross, rose from the dead, when you believed in that, it says, so if the son sets you free, you are what? You are free indeed. Now, last hour I said like two or three times, free indeed. People responded free indeed until they ramped up and got fired up and said, free indeed. So, don't be like last hour, okay? Be like, get fired up now hour, okay? So, are we free indeed? Let's say yes, free indeed. On three, one, two, three. Yes, free indeed. So, when he says free indeed, we got to understand what God's trying to say. 2018, I want you to be free indeed. Uh, the opposite is, Satan, our enemy, which we have, it, there is no doubt in my mind that, that we have an opposition in this world that will lead us astray. It's not just us, people. I know I do dumb, I, I make dumb choices, but I got help sometimes. I got someone always knocking on my door going, hey, look at that, do this, go that way. And so we've got an evil enemy out there who wants to jack us up and make us a slave in 2018. Our Savior gave his life and want you to be free both in your heart, on this planet, on this earth now, and for all of eternity, he wants you to be free with him. That is great news. But a lot of us don't feel free right now. A lot of us feel numb. A lot of us feel, a lot of us feel stuck. And 2018 doesn't look any better than 2017. So, let me build on a concept today. And here's the start of the concept. Ephesians, Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And here's the concept I want to go towards. And do not give the devil a what? A foothold. You know what that is? Someone, as you're trying to shut the door, they're trying to telemarket you, and they want to sell you something, they may put their foot in your door, and your door's not completely shut. So something can come in if it's not shut. So what I want to do today is I want to build a case and build an argument towards this idea of the enemy wanting to have a foothold, and how he's always trying to do that. You might have heard Christy, my wife, uh, several weeks back, she shared from stage and told a story about um, one weekend I was out of town, I was on a duck hunting trip, sorry for if that offends anyone, I like to shoot ducks, and I can't deny, okay, so, um, it's 2018, we're going to have fun this year, okay, so. Uh, so she calls me. She's like, Jeff, oh my gosh, you got to come home right now. You got to home right now. And I'm like, what's wrong? There's a guy in the woods and the cops are everywhere. And I've talked to one of our guys in our church who was on that case, Harris County Sheriff. There was a guy for probably maybe six weeks that was running from all the way from the Forts and Whitesville Road area in those neighborhoods all the way over, over to where I live uh, between Fortson and Almond Road and Veterans Road up above Northside High School. And a guy was breaking in and stealing all, all over the place. And they'd get close to him, but he'd, he would avoid him. 
They found out the guy was using culverts underneath 85, and they thought someone was picking him up and taking him away, and then he was camping out in the woods, and they thought he might have a military background. That's no shame on you guys. Uh, that's just why he didn't get caught, I think, because he knew what to do to hide. So the guy had a gun. The guy was packing bread and stealing food and stealing stuff. So she calls, and I'm like, oh, I'm not home, and someone's running in my woods, and my wife's scared, and the kids are like, what are we doing? Like, here's the gun. You guys go get in the car. I don't care who stops you. Just get down our dirt road, and you just go spend the night at someone else's house, right? So now there's a text message going from all our neighbors. Hey, keep an eye out. We just, they just, they just saw him in a tree. He got away, and another message comes in from one of our neighbors, and they said, yeah, we're not home. And our babysitter was upstairs putting our one-month-old to bed. And they looked and heard something downstairs. And they saw someone running through the house. And I'm going, I mean, my blood's boiling. Thinking, someone's in our neighbor's house. And they're not home. And the dude's inside. And it just, I was like, oh, I, just, I want to be there to just stop that. Right? I want to stop that. I don't want that to happen. So here's the thing, this whole foothold concept. I believe, I believe, some of us, probably all of us, yeah, all of us, in some way, shape, or form at different times in our, in our life, we went to bed and left the door open in areas of our life, unwittingly, unknown, unknowingly, and the enemy put his foot, foot in, and in, and in areas of our life, he's got a little advantage. And maybe that's why we want to try to move forward in some areas and we can't. Maybe the enemy has got a little stake that he's claimed and, and caused us to kind of lose our minds, lose our ways, uh, give in to some temptation. He's still got us a bit entrapped, a little bit of slave thing going on. So he's doing that. All the while, while we know our Savior wants us to be free indeed. So let me continue on this concept. So, so Joel 2, 9 says this. They, or the enemy, rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into houses like thieves. They enter through windows. So the enemy is always trying to break in your house. Always trying to get into your heart. Men, he's always wanting to get into your heart and use you to get into the rest of your house. Ladies, same thing. He wants to use those places when we're vulnerable, when we're tired. He wants to get a foothold in. He wants to mess up your future. Second Corinthians, Paul says this, and I love this message version of the Bible. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, After all, we don't want unwittingly to give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. Yeah, no, we don't. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. So I wanted to show you this because it's easy, it's so easy to go to bed and not realize you went to bed with the door open. Alright? That's one part of this. Now, let me transition this. So what are the doors? Right? What are the doors? If, if we know that that is the whole concept of our enemy, to try to slip in, be a thief, kill, steal, and destroy, and to work through your doors to our hearts, our lives, what doors are we talking about? All right? The good news is, and I think this is, I, I never really grasped this before. I always kind of looked at the devil, looked at the enemy and thought, man, he's so smart. 
He's so like, how does he always trip us up? How does he always get me in this area? Here's what I did not realize. The devil, and we can say this, and we're not scared to say it because we have Jesus, right? Duh, I got Jesus. The devil is not creative. He has zero imagination. Let me explain this. He's not all that smart. He's not strategic. He comes after people exactly the same way all the time. From the beginning of Adam and Eve, and I'm going to show you this in just a minute, from Adam and Eve to how he tempted Jesus all the way up until now, he only comes after us in three big categories. Always, every time, all the time. So the good news is, if we can discern what are those three categories are, and you can translate that of how those big three categories might be affecting you, then I want to show you the antidote from Scripture today. So let me show you what the three big categories are. Three, I'm going to call them the three big doors. I had a little bit of old school coming back, like the three-hour tour. Anybody remember, anybody ever remember Gilligan's Island? All right. So, or the three bad wolves, all right, three big wolves. All right, here's the three big doors. Stay with me, people. Don't zone out and go places. No rabbit trails, all right? Three big doors. First John, we're going to get where these three doors, the three big categories. You ready? First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, here they come, are the lust of the flesh, that's one big, huge area. I'll explain these in just a second. The lust of the eyes, big, huge category number two, big, huge category number three, and the pride of life. Now, I'm going to show you this, but this is how he comes after all of us all the time. It's never a different way. He's not that creative. It's always the same three ways. And so God, from Adam and Eve until now, has been showing us the way, if, we'll, if you'll pay attention today, and allow God to do a little work in your hearts. We can win in 2018 because God's going to show us how through Scripture. So here's the big three areas. So, so lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. He comes not from the Father. This does not come from God, but from the, the world. Our enemy. The enemy. The enemy working through our world. The world and its desires pass away. Now, this is not just talking about a physical death. Alright? This is... Something that he, he can kill, not just physically we die, but kill our dreams, kill our marriages, kill our happiness, rob our joy, rob our hearts, rob our homes, rob us. That's what he does. And he works through getting a foothold in three categories always. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. All right, so here's the big three categories. Let me break it down. All right, where the enemy's trying to take over. First one, the lust of the flesh comes after our passions. Duh. We're emotional people. God put emotions in it in us. Emotions aren't bad, but the enemy can lead our emotions astray where our emotions, we can be tricked by our emotions, right? Anyone ever make a, 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 an emotional decision you look back later and thought, you probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, all of us. So the lust of the flesh is our enemy playing on our passions, our feelings, our desires, and the enemy is always trying to lure us away from God through our appetites. All right? This doesn't necessarily make it a food thing, but our appetites for 
whatever would make this happy, the body, right? You tracking, right? God knows that my church loves to tempt you as soon as you walk in with Krispy Kreme donuts, right? So whatever the enemy can take you, and he sometimes knows how to tie that hook, that bait perfectly for what is your specific slice of the lust of the flesh, how he can take your passions and take them away from godly passions. And leverage your own emotions and leverage your feelings and leverage your desires for false desires that lead you away from great desires where God wants to take you to freedom or he wants to enslave you. So the first one's the lust of the flesh. And if I'm honest, uh, if I followed my feelings, uh, if I always followed my feelings, I would not be able to be your pastor any longer. All right? So number one, lust of the flesh. Number two, lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. What I can look at and what I want to possess. So let's call it our possessions. Lust of the eyes, and this is just how I'm going to explain it to this morning, our possessions. I want it all, and I want it now. Right? That is kind of our mantra of today. Uh, and there's a constant pull that the enemy's always tugging at, tugging us towards greed, tugging us towards entitlement, serving more of me, not serving or sacrificing for anyone else, just sacrificing and serving me. That's the lust of the eyes. It's I want to possess it all for me. Me, myself, and I dream. All right, number three. The pride of life, our position, all right? I want to be positioned where people recognize me. I want to be positioned so it's all about me, right? The pride thing. Um, we recognize from Scripture that there's not a single person um, that doesn't deal with the, 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 ride of, the, the pride of life. It's just we're all on a pride ride. Um, um, and so this is the idea that we're not in the right place positionally, we want to be in the right place, so we're always, what we always do, we're, we're always elevating ourselves. Pay attention in the next week how many times in a conversation with someone else you find a way, whether sneaky or not, how you elevate yourself in the conversation. I dare you. I dare you. And then notice it and check it off, mark it off, mark the box off in your brain like, yep, that was it. I just was pridefully trying to elevate myself in that conversation. Pride of life, um, uh, you've heard this said as sex salary status. When I was a youth pastor, we used to say it was girls, gold, and glory. Uh, I heard a pastor say years ago, he called it PMS, power, money, sex. And I'm like, that's not what that means. Okay, enough about that. Um, but here's the truth. Temptation is to feel. Temptation is to have, and temptation is to be. So you're tracking. So these are the areas that he's always going to come after us. The lust of the flesh, our passions, the lust of our, of our eyes, what I can possess, passions, positions, and the pride of life, our position. Make it more about me. Put me in a place where I'm no more recognizable, where I can be noticed, where I can become, you know, something, whatever. Temptation to feel, to have, and to be. Now, that's the pattern. I wanted to show you this pattern, but I want to show, uh, show it to you again through two different people. First, Adam and Eve. All right, so Genesis 3, 6. The woman saw the tree 
and it was what? Good for? Good for what? Help me out, people. Help me out. It was good for food, right? There we go. Lust of the flesh, passions, going after your appetite. Um, in the garden, um, the enemy was luring her towards what God said you can't have. You can't eat this. And he says, hey, you can eat it. Look how good it looks. And it looked good. It looked good to her. So it was good for food. I, I want my body to be happy, right? My passions. Um, and here's the second part of this. And it was what? Pleasing to the eyes. So God said, I can't have it, but I want to possess it. I want to make it mine. The third part of this is, and pleasing to the eyes and could fill the desire of making one wise. Right? There we have the pride of life, the position portion. So, um, if you eat it, what the enemy said to her was, if you eat it, you'll be what? Like what? You'll be more like God. And so he tempted her to her through her pride. So she took of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband and he ate it. Now, Eve gets, we bust Eve's chops over this, right? Because Eve, Eve did the dirty. She did the no-no. But my question is, where was Adam? Where was Adam? We bust Eve's chops. Eve, you blew it for everybody. But where was Adam? He was off duck hunting. Okay. He left the door open, and Eve was like, "Hey, I thought I had a, I thought I had a brother. Where's my brother? Where's my husband? Where's my man? God gave me a helper, gave us to each other. Where's he at? There was only two of them. What else could he be doing? He was duck hunting. I promise you." He was out there a glutton with ducks. All right, Jesus' temptation. Jesus fasted 40 days. So physically, he was like, ah, God in a body. So that part of him, like, he's weak physically, but he was God. So Satan thinks, I can get God, I can tempt Jesus, and I can mess up this whole God story that God's trying to write in the hearts of the lives of uh, every man, woman, and child on the planet and forever to come. I'm going to box this up. And here's his big chance to screw up God's entire future plan. Satan's like, this is going to be awesome. So, Matthew 4, this is not in your notes. Uh, Matthew 4, if you want to look this up later. Matthew chapter 4, it's uh, basically most of chapter 4. It says, the tempter came to him, that's Jesus, that's Satan coming to Jesus, and said, if you are the Son of God, Right? Like, calling out, like, are you the man or not? Are you serious? Are you the man? Everyone says you are. Are you the man? Are you the real deal? Like, trying to already start setting up and making them bow up. He says, then tell these stones to become bread. Or tell these stones to become Krispy Kreme donuts. That's what he would have said. And essentially, we see the enemy knowing exactly how to come after him. Exactly how to come after us. He knows he hasn't eaten for 40 days. So he comes right out of the gate going after the lust of the flesh. Man, it feels good to take care of this body, does it not? Doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it? God gave it as a gift to us, right? But man, we can so take it places that just feel terrible. Right? Left alone, on our own, we would take this whole lust of the flesh thing and we would ruin ourselves. Because the enemy wants us to. And he's pretty doggone good at doing it. But we know where he's coming. He's coming at the lust of the flesh. It happens to Jesus. Jesus denies him. Nope, not going to go there at all. 
Then he goes, he takes Jesus up on top of the temple, like the literal temple, way high up on the top of the, the, the walls or the roof. And he says, if you are the Son of God, again, he's kind of throwing that out, then throw yourself down. It's as if he's saying, hey, Jesus, show off. Jump. I double dog dare you. Jump. You know the angels are going to come catch you. When they do, they're going to say, you the man. You the man, Jesus. Jump, Jesus. Come on, show off a little bit. And he tries to tempt Jesus with pride. Um, then he takes him up on a mountainside. And he says, all this I will give you. He kind of looks around and says, see all that out there? All these different cities off in the distance and all this land, all this mass. He tries to say, all this I'm going to give you. Again, Jesus has not eaten in 40 days. So physically he's weak, but he's God in a body. So he can't sin. But, he's, but essentially I think he's making choices. Just like we have a choice. All this I'm going to give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. See, here's the thing. The devil thought he could find some greed in our God. The enemy wants you to be a slave to sin. God wants you to be free, free indeed. So, how do we shut the door? Alright? How do we shut the door? Uh, what's the antidotes? What is the antidote to, to securing our homes? Here's three things I'm going to try to give, you, give them to you fairly quick. There's a boatload of scripture in your notes. I may not have time to go through all of it, but I want, you to, I want you to recognize this. This is powerful. How do we win in the three big categories? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. How do we win? Passions, passions possessions, position. All right? Uh, first one is this. It's going to sound so, like, scary. Because it sounds scary, but it's not. First one is this. We shut the door by living a life full of integrity. Living a life full of integrity. I know that's not cool to say today, right? It's like, what? Live righteous? Live right? Walk with God living with integrity? See, when I hear integrity, I hear live perfect. Don't make a mistake. And then I end up where I was last year, 2017, not making a whole lot of advance because I feel like I'm just going to make a mistake and I'm going to be back in the doghouse again and I'm going to feel bad about what I did. I'm going to feel bad about not moving forward and yada, yada, yada. And I'm the same place year after year after year. But that's not what integrity is. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity is being honest and not living a lie. That's what integrity is. God didn't tell us to live a perfect life. He said to follow Jesus and be like Jesus. And when we weren't like Jesus, He said lean on Him even, even more so you will walk with Him all the days of your life. And grow. Shutting the door does not mean perfection. Rather, we should be truthful. Be honest. Meaning, take off the mask with somebody. We, we can't advance if we're, if we're living a lie and we're locked up like, man, I'm trying to act like I got it all together, but I don't. So I'm going to keep pretending that I do and never go anywhere. So here's the thing. What's crazy is we're about to launch small groups in a few weeks. And this, this just works perfectly into the message. How can you ever pretend you're going to grow with a mask on if you're never being open and honest with somebody else? You cannot. You cannot grow. There cannot be spiritual growth and development in your life if you are all alone. There are no Caribbean Christians out there. You cannot live and grow spiritually on an island. 
So here's the thing. If we want to live a life of integrity, we've got to open up. We've got to take the mask off. Notice what Solomon says. I love this. Solomon, smartest man in the world. Proverbs 5, 7, and 10. Now then, my sons. Notice the language here. He's not talking about someone he does not know. He's talking to people he has connection with. He's talking to people he's in a relationship with. He says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path for It's like a small group. Solomon huddled his boys up. Some, sounds like some younger men. And he's going to pass on some wisdom. And he knows them. He knows what they're dealing with. He's probably loving on them, challenging them. And they could probably win together by, by, by being this, in this context, in this community. Listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I have to say. Keep a path far from her. That's good advice, right? Right? Because does, does, does the enemy knock on our door when we're tired? When we're, when we're weak? So the enemy's coming after these guys. And he's saying keep a path far from her. Do not go near her house. That's what lust does. Knocks on your door when you're tired, when you're vulnerable. Of your house. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth. I want to say everything you work so hard for. Right? When you blow it, you lose. You lose, you lose, you lose stuff you work towards. Right? You, you, you work, you, you lost. You lose traction, wealth, and your toil enriches the house of another. So watch, but watch what it can happen. Watch what can happen. I love this. Romans, Paul says this in Romans 6. I love the message. That's why I put this in the notes today. Uh, the message version, Romans 6, 12 through 14. That means you must not give sin a vote. Maybe it's a decision right now today. Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to say yes to God today, no to the devil. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. The more I'm building traction up saying, yes, God, I'm with you, God, I'm with you, I'm following God, the stronger I become. The more, the more I'm taking the mask off with somebody's, with somebody who I trust, who trusts me, that I can be vulnerable with, the more we can move forward together, but not all alone. Not alone. So don't give it the time of day. Don't even run a little, don't run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves, I think this is the message today, throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. We have power through Jesus Christ. We're not alone in this. So don't try to do 2018 alone. Sin can't tell you how to live. Sin has no reign over us any longer. As Christ followers, because Jesus just didn't die and stay in the grave, Jesus rose from the dead, sin does not have the power to reign over us any longer. We've got to know that. You may feel like you've been losing, but you, you can seriously win. Knowing how He comes after us, taking that mask off, saying, yes, I'm going to live my life with integrity. Will you help me? Stay with me. Help me. Track with me. Sin cannot tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So, integrity. Here's what I want you to say yes to today. Say yes to God and no to the devil. Say that with me. Say yes to God and no to the devil. Yes to God, no to the devil. Say that to yourself today. Make that a claim. Shut the door and say, God, yes to you today. No to the devil. And, and I've heard this, I've got to say it's pretty cool. The grass is not greener on the other side. 
If it is, the water bill's higher. You heard it here first, okay? I stole it, but it's good, okay? Number two, you want to break the grip of greed? Number two is generosity. Tell me, this, this whole generosity piece, whether you believe it or not, it is true. It is just a straight-up principle that every time we give, we break the grip of materialism in our lives. Every time we, we self-deprecate, every time we self-sacrifice, every time we give, we are breaking the grip of greed in our lives. Genesis says this amazing, this story of two brothers. I'm going to tell you this quickly. Genesis 4 tells a story. It says, now Abel, two brothers, kept flocks, and his brother Cain worked in the soil. So one did the, did the animals and one did the farm. And, and cooked and could do the food. Uh, in the course of time, Cain, and I know that that's, it's important, in the course of time, not any specific time, but in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. So they both gave, but what was the difference? It says, Abel brought an offering, fat portions from some of the what? First, firstborn. So Abel brought the first of what he had. Cain, in the course of time, just whenever he felt like it, here God, here's, it for you. here's what you get. And I think there's a principle here. God wants our first. He doesn't want to be an afterthought. He wants us to be, he wants to be our first thought. When we first wake up in the morning, God's like, hey, think of me. Add me into helping shut the door every night, every morning, all throughout the day. Give me your hearts, and I will change your world. Essentially, that's what this is about. But if we want to break the grip of greed, we've got to place God first in our stuff, in our finances. Now, let me just say this. I have no stake in this. I've never taken a raise after we've gotten a big offer. Okay? All right? I, I'm just like you. My wife and I, we have, we've, had, we've had other incomes in the past. And we give, we give, we give to the church, and we give well over ten percent. Uh, there's another passage coming up in, in a second. I'm not going to read it, but it says, "Test God in the arena of giving to your storehouse, which is your church." All right. Let me just say this again: our bills are paid today. All right. This is not for us. This is for you. I promise you. If you will learn to give and be generous. God's going God's gonna to shape your heart like you've never been shaped before because this is the number one area that we struggle with, our stuff. It's the thing that when we get in a bind and we get nervous, we're like, oh, we're looking at months out and our kids are in college now. We just had one leave between services driving off to college. We had a conversation about bills this week, the money we sent her to college, how much she's spending, how much it costs us, right? But when I've allowed God to enter into my finances... I've shut the door on the enemy. I can now say, God, it's your stuff. I've, I've trusted it to you. It's all in your hands. And God says, and you can look in the notes you've got, He says, test me in this. And will, will I not open the floodgates of heaven to show off that I'm God and I can be trusted? So open the door to God, but shut the door on the enemy by being generous. That's how God said we could win in that department.
Third thing is, is um, with the pride of life, it's just simple. The flip side of living a prideful life is living a life of being humble. And that's a, that's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice. I heard one pastor say, um, a man on his face can never fall. <laughs> that's awesome. A man on his face, that's just like choosing a, that's just like choosing a lower position, right? It's like saying, hey, it's not about me. A man on his face can never fall. Hey, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. That's what humility is. It's honoring God. It's honoring God. It's putting, putting God in His place and putting you in your place. The whole temptation from Adam and Eve is like, hey, you can be like God. Right? I mean, all through the Bible, you read the pages of Scripture, you think about the story of the Tower of Babel. They're trying to build this thing, trying to be like God, trying to act like God. I mean, when I love myself too much, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm God. I want to be the God of my stuff. I want to be the God of my world. I want, I want to be treated better than anybody else. Why? Because I love me. So we've got to break that grip by living humbly. Revelation 3, 7, and 8 says, and I love this. This is it's a good thing to let God in on your door business. Okay? What he opens, no one can shut. What God opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. God knows us. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows the junk. He knows your pressure points. He knows your pain points. He knows you. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. He knows there are times we're weak. We need help. Yet you have kept my word. And have not denied my name. See, it's the ultimate, the ultimate sign of humility when we let God in on our door business. And I love this. John 30 says this, and I'll end with this verse. I think this is our this is this is our closing statement. This is it. You want to win in this area, this is how we win. Jesus must become greater and greater. Put him first. Saying, God, it's not about me, it's about you. I want to worship you today, not just like if I raise my hand in a song or how I live my life. I want it to be pleasing and worshipful to you. Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Here's the thing. Humility, the action step of that today, I believe, is this. I think we should develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. You guys are like, whoa, that's heavy. All right? Look, prayer is no... no Prayer, prayer is so easy because God already loves you. He just wants you to connect with Him. He wants you every day, all day, anytime you think about God, talk to Him. Share your needs. Share your hurts. Tell Him you love Him. Tell Him you're mad at Him. Just connect with God. Develop a lifestyle of just talking to God. God will take you to whole new places when you are just opening your mouth, your heart, and going, God, I'm, I'm just here. Whatever. Develop that and also develop, it sounds crazy, but develop a practice of fasting. Right? We always talk about fasting at the beginning of the year because my wife and I, we challenge our kids, we try to fast in the new year. Uh, my wife and I said several weeks ago, let's fast. We waited till we, we've been waiting until games are over. She told me this morning, early as I got up, she said, I'm going to fast tomorrow morning. I said, I'm going to fast after the game. All right? 
Um, no need to go into what we're fasting, but we're fasting a bunch of food stuff. I mean, this, this is going to be a painful one for us. But you know why? I'm just going to put my face on the ground. I'm just going to, I'm just going to make it lowly. I'm going to make this, make this hurt a little bit. And when, when it hurts, and when I'm like, I want that, I could go buy that, I can eat it right now because I'm the man of my house, I made money. No, no, no. I'm going to deny myself for the next seven days, and I'm going to be reminded when I'm hungry, when I want that, God's in control. He wants to make me free. My enemy wants to jack up my life, and I'm just being reminded this early part of the year, God, my whole life is in your hands, and I want you to know that today. I love you. So let's make it a practice to develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Let me close with a story. Um, probably two or three years after we launched the church, I had a friend of mine, he was a friend, who came to me, and I knew it was kind of serious. He's like, hey, I need you to be my pastor right now. We're buddies, we're friends, that's why I trust you. But I need you to pastor me. Will you, will you, will you help me? I've started a new business. It's going gangbusters. Um, will you disciple me, essentially? So we started meeting at Waffle House. That's where great things happen, okay? Smother covered in ash, okay? You didn't even like that? I thought it was awesome. Heard it, heard of this last week. Um, and so we started to meet. And I started to pick out some things. I was like, hey, I notice every time you're going out of town, you travel with two or three of the ladies on your team. How's that going? Are they attractive? Is there any chemistry? And I was like, hey, you know what? I think there needs to be something done here. I don't want to go like old school, but I, I just, hey, you asked. I'm telling you, I think you need to guard that somehow. I don't know how to do that. I, I, don't, have the, I don't have that dilemma. I don't travel, and I don't have to travel with a, a female employee. But I think you need to be cautious here. I think you need to bring somebody else with you. The other thing was, he loved, he, he, he loved to drink. And I, and I don't have a particular issue with him having a drink. But I told him, because you told me that a couple of these ladies are attractive, I don't think you should drink on your work trips. I think there's a danger there. He said, all right, I'll, I'll cut that out on my, on my trips. A couple, couple times went by, he didn't meet with me, wouldn't meet with me, wouldn't meet with me. Finally, he wanted to meet with me, had to meet with me. Had to meet with me. I got to have you. Gotta, it's like, hey, I screwed it all up. What happened? Your, your, your guess is good. I said, I screwed it up, man. I said, I blew it. I shacked up with her and I don't know what to do. I said, well, does your wife know? No. I said, well, you, you, you got to make it right with God and you got to make it right with her. So, yes, we made it right. They had a conversation. But we, we really got serious about shutting some doors and he would not make the choice of shutting the door. He would not quit doing the things that led up to his ultimate, now today, his ultimate demise. Listen, he went through a nasty divorce. He lost everything. He lost his business. He lost all his stuff. He went to somebody else's house. She's with somebody else now, and they've got all his money. It was, we just read it in Scripture. They've got the kids half the time, and he's got nothing. Now look, I know that is, that's prickly in a lot of ways, right? Because I know 
just like every person on this stage, especially those three right there, they're really imperfect. I don't know why. It could have been him. It's me. But look, we're all imperfect. So here's, here's, the, here's the great side of this conversation. Everybody's blown it at all different levels. Way worse than that story. But here's the thing. We have a God who is a God of God of redemption. He redeemed Jesus, rose him from the dead, and he wants to redeem and buy back your, buy back your sin, take it away from you. He wants to solve your mess. He wants to help you get out of the jam. He wants, he wants to make you new. He wants to take the broken 2015, 2016, 2017. He wants to take the heart, whoever's here this morning that's just numb, you don't feel anything because you've been so bruised up, you don't feel like you could ever feel again. Because you've been jaded, because someone betrayed you, because whatever it is. God wants to make you new. He really does. So somebody here today may want to make Jesus savior of your, savior of your life. Like, I, I'm going to become a Christ follower today. He's moving my heart. I wasn't a believer, but I want to, I, I'm, I feel like God's, something's going on. I want, to, I want to let God know I believe today. And then some of you today, you're, you're already a believer. You already, you, already, you already know that He's in you. You already know that when, if He came back today, your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven. But some of you today, man, you, you know 2017 sucked. Forgive my French. But you want different. And I'm telling you, God wants different. He does not want you to be a slave but he wants you to be free indeed. Let's pray. Jesus, in this moment right now, I pray this would be a holy moment for so many people. God, for whoever is here this morning that would say, Jesus, I need you in my life today. Save me. I'm not a believer, but I want to be. Would you raise your hand right now? No one looking around, just for me to see. Anyone like that? Jeff, pray for me. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I need Jesus today. Yes, sir. Save me. I want to become a believer and give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? Pray for me, Jeff. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let's pray together. All of us as a church, let's rally for those who are going to become new in Christ right now. Lord, we just submit our hearts to you. And in 2018, on this day, this very moment, we say yes to you. We say, Jesus, I want to make you the leader and forgiver of my life. Come into my heart right now and save me. Scripture says if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, the Bible says we are saved. If he came back to take every believer with him to heaven, you would go. Your sins are forgiven. He loves you. He offers us all grace. And God, for the rest of us that are believers, and we get to cheer for joy for those that are now new believers today, but God, I pray for the rest of us who've been stuck, who are stuck, and who have been slaves. God, let us know through you we are free indeed. We are free indeed. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us more than we've ever deserved. In your name I pray. Amen.